Welcome to What Is It All For, a podcast designed to help you grow your online business and pursue a spacious, satisfying life at the same time. We're your hosts, Jason and Caroline Zook, and we run Wandering Aimfully, an unboring business coaching program. Every week, we bring you advice and conversations to return you to your most intentional self and to help you examine every aspect of your life and business by asking, what is it all for? Thanks for listening, and now let's get into the show. And I'm here too. <laughs> Hi there, and welcome to our podcast. This is our podcast, wait. and it's our podcast. Oh, wait, go Do ahead. Do the intro. You got it. You got it. Podcasts are cool, dot, dot, dot. Nice. No. Went back and, no, no, it's great. It was good. Yeah, that's exactly what people voted for. I went back into Spotify. Thank you to our Spotify podcast listeners who have been responding. There's apparently like, quote unquote, q and don't know why they're not calling them comments, because that's really what they are. But it's listed as Q&A, but we didn't ask any questions. So it's just A. It's just A. But maybe you can ask a question. You can, for sure. But like, oh, it's but just listed. It's just very weird the way Spotify is doing this. But we've been asking for podcast comments forever. So that's very exciting. It is very exciting. One of these days, we're going to do like a, like a two-week blitz of Apple reviews. Cause, like, I, I thought about that. Yeah. I was like, we really haven't talked about reviews just like, forever. Just like something to like kick it up. Because we know that our show is growing. Like I can see it in the analytics. It is? But you listeners... Yeah. You well, because who wants to write you, a review? We just never talk about it either. So it's like people don't think about it. It's the same thing like when I, I watch I'm, I'm not blaming us anyone. I'm blaming like, four of our 27 listeners. And you know who you are. You know who the you four are. Of you. you people who wear pants. Quattro. You people who have what? hair. You people who have hairy pants say say stuff. Uh, we did get a couple of folks who liked my pants analogy of adding all the zippers and things of Wayne pants. Uh, when I talked about this, where our price will go up because our Wayne pants got more features on them. <laughs> um, let's talk about just very quickly the preamble to the preamble. Didn't have an episode last week. We didn't have an episode last week because one of us was a little overwhelmed, and I'm not going to tell you which, who was who. Thank you for outing me. Jeez. And the other person said, listen. If you've been listening to this show long enough, you've heard us do this before. It comes down to like, we're overwhelmed. There's a lot of stuff going on. You're overwhelmed. There's a lot of stuff. We're overwhelmed. Oh my gosh, that was a joke. (laughs) We're overwhelmed. There's a lot of stuff going on. Something has to give. So what's that thing? And so for us, the podcast is typically the thing because our newsletters are mostly pre-written. So it's like, those don't have to give. It doesn't save us a ton of work to do that. It's just this is the more kind of like passive thing that we do with uh, with you listeners. So, but we care about you so much, yeah. and so I want I, you to know we had a full on discussion where Caroline was standing at one end of her house, I was standing at the other end. We were, and we were like, "I was like, we take a break." You're like, "I don't want to take a break." I'm like, "We're two days away from like, no, we're not doing this." Yeah, you you stood your ground and you said, "No, listen, yeah, we're gonna take a week off. The world will not end." Yeah. Sometimes it's the other way around where I'm like, for sure. we got to scale back. Push, like it's yeah, not the like, end of the world. And, I'm just and like, so we're a good yeah. team in that way. And we're going to talk about a lot of team things here with money. But first, let's talk about the actual preamble, which was a little staycation in Itasida. Yeah. What I didn't share is that part of the reason we were overwhelmed is because we, we took, took a staycation <laughs> and all of our stuff piled up. But you know what? It was worth it. Yeah. So we, well, we, we really kicked this year off with a lot of focused effort from yes. like January 1 until like last week. Which has felt great. But, yeah. you know, it you catches gotta, up with you. It, it does. does. It catches up with no you. No matter how long you've been doing this and how many processes you have in place and how many notion wizards are on your team you still end up needing a break from doing right. all the things and i was telling a friend that like technically it was probably a bad just bird's eye view timing wise yeah. taking a staycation w- was bad but like that's also the time when you need it you the need most because if you don't do it then what you're going to run into is burnout exactly so i'm actually glad that we took 
you know, three days away from our laptops and we went to this little town of Irisaira, mm-hmm. which is how far away from Lisbon? Uh, it's like directly west, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, is tricky to get to because it's on the coast and it's west, but there's not really like a main road that to goes get to, to it. it. But I think like as the crow flies, it's like 30 kilometers right. would be my guess, which is like 15 miles. So it's not that far, but the ro- there's like no, Roads. it's a coastal road. Right. So it's going to so take So it's right while. on the coast and it it's may be this further than 30 cool kilometers, but little surf town. Like it yeah. has a very surf culture, very laid back California vibes, but more sort of populated than a lot of the beach towns up near us yeah which um if you don't know we are probably like 45 to 50 minutes north well the funny thing is we're uh further away from lisbon than we are from edisada but it takes the same amount of time to get to both right because coastal roads as opposed to like a a regular highway we did discover that the route from here to Irisaira is actually a beautiful coastal drive it's just one of those like it reminds us at certain parts the route one drive or 101, I can never remember which one it is, in California, where you're like in the Big Sur, like windy with like the cliffs and things, like parts of it feel like that. It's not quite that, but there's that one uh, like Turn. lagoon mm-hmm. that has like this this crystal clear blue water mm-hmm. that's lovely. So we enjoyed that very much. Yeah. We The whole uh, precipitating event for doing this staycation is that I was on, um, you know, we're not on Instagram anymore, but occasionally I go on to update my friends and family of our life in Portugal or whatever. And so I got fed like this ad. Well, because funny thing, what? your other account that used to be your main account forever, you see Kelso account on Instagram, you you somehow oh, got I don't... put in, well, this has happened to you twice now. We've mentioned this on the podcast, I believe. Yeah. Um, on Hulu, you were watching Hulu <laughs> the app one time and you're like, hey babe, have you ever seen this? And you showed it to me and it was, it said like dog food in like yeah. the corner, like a watermark. I was somehow in you this You were not like, watching a dog show I either. was somehow in this like weird test group yeah. for like a new version of Hulu. They were testing out like a new interface I, I imagine is what happened yeah. because it said Hulu dog food. <laughs> <laughs> and again, not and watching I'm pet so, shows. I'm like, so glad that I showed it to you because oh, no great. one would believe me. Yeah. So if you are listening and you somehow worked at Hulu or something, like please email Email us and let me we know. We don't have anybody listening. We you don't know that. So but please let me know. Like, was I in a weird test group? Anyway, so. Is anybody listening to our podcast you, work for one of the streaming services? Now I'm curious. Like, any of them? Showtime, Max? Side note from yeah. the Hulu dog food. The reason you brought that up yes. is because on my C. Kelso public Instagram account, yeah. I don't see ads. Have never had. Have never had them. Wild. Do not get, don't have feed ads, don't have story ads. Like, I don't know what special list I'm on. Yeah. And so I was just enjoying Instagram as a user. But now that I have this little just private, like there's, it's literally like my mom follows. <laughs> and um, my mom. It's our moms. And your our moms. And I get ads on that account and, but now I'm sort of like, this is cool. I, everyone who's seen Instagram ads for all is like, it's not cool. It's not cool. But yeah. to me, it's cool because I'm like, it was just feeding me like, well, and here's the thing, the difference between our two accounts when like Instagram ads started to get popular and especially as they started to listen to your conversations, I would mention shorts and, and I would like, just get all yeah, the shorts ads. Exactly. I've been like bathing suit, bathing suit, <laughs> yeah, bathing suit. Yeah. And um, you will get ads for bathing suit yeah. companies. But anyway, you got an ad for this restaurant. Yes, which I will say also I have to be careful because Instagram, if you if you let it, it will suck you right back in. So yeah. even though I have like follow five people or whatever, it will suck me right back in. So I am very careful to only spend a short amount of time there. But I got fed this ad for a restaurant called the Capsule Cafe in Irisaira. And they were doing a special tasting menu event where the chef at the restaurant is actually a Ukrainian chef named Chef Alex. And he 
um, does these collaboration pop-up dinners with other chefs. Like I think he did one with like a Berlin chef. Mm -hmm. And then for this one, it was a chef from Lisbon. So it was Mm -hmm. a Portuguese chef named Chef Joao. And they basically decided to collaborate and do an eight-course tasting menu, four dishes from each chef, calling it like ocean and land. So Chef Joao from Lisbon brought these like sea dishes yep. with like ingredients from the sea. And then Chef Alex did like vegetables and yeah, there yeah. wasn't a meat course, was nope. there? No, just vegetables. I mean, yeah, there was just, yeah. And so, fish. you know, if you're listening, we oh, love, yeah, love culinary a, experiences. Yeah. We are, we are those total like chef's table geeks. Oh yeah. If you've seen the movie, The Menu, like we're the overeager guy yep. who's like, okay, chef, like uh, I can see in here that like uh, this clam lived in and like a rocky like, terrain. And if you're like, wait, isn't that like a, isn't the whole point of that movie that it's like a parody of that yeah. person and yeah. like it's making fun of them? And yes, yes, yes yeah. it is. And yeah. we deserve to be made fun of for and that. It's totally but fine. We immerse ourselves in that world and we love it. And so, um, so we basically built this whole little staycation idea around that we also had friends that we wanted to meet like sort of online friends to offline and yeah hadn't and met them in real we hadn't life met friends, them in real yeah. life yet um and so yeah so it was just this lovely little weekend we went down on a friday we ate at this amazing restaurant overlooking the ocean and then oh well hold on so what? to finish off the capsule cafe dinner it was fantastic all the I was courses getting there, was, though, so i was on oh, friday so oh, i was sorry. gonna get there okay yeah yeah and so so we go we have lunch at this ocean restaurant we check in the hotel and then that night we go to dinner and man can i just say it delivered it delivered it was fantastic it was worth every penny uh it was a fan it's just a great meal i mean it was so fun the restaurant is so tiny like imagine the size of your kitchen yeah now add six tables that people can sit at that was the size of the restaurant yes and it was just so fun to have the chefs come out and like show their dishes uh and just have them like talk about it and and kind of share the inspiration for it also we should share the highlight Uh, absolute highlight of the meal yeah there were two staff members that were incredibly took it over the top and those staff members happened to be four-legged staff covered in fur (laughs) they they are a dog friendly restaurant and so uh there were these two dogs one was sort of like a golden retriever esque dog and another one was a corgi yeah with an undocked tail which i've never seen a corgi with a full tail and so we were sitting at a booth at the very back of the restaurant as far back as you can get it's the size of your kitchen it's It's like a galley kitchen and so the two dogs like periodically through the meal would go back and greet every table just like they were looking for food yeah of course that about the people but but yeah. oh my gosh i i had a couple of moments where i was like did i dream this up i'm <laughs> eating this like beautiful tasting menu in this country that i now live in that i love with dogs yeah. with a corgi greeting me like yeah. i just was like living my best life there's just something about the like uh openness to the culture in some ways here that's very different than you've ever experienced like you would never go to an eight course tasting menu in the united states that i know of and they would allow dogs to well, roam I'm around. I'm sure it exists in certain but areas. But it's just like it's not at it's all It's not. U- it's unusual, unusual for yeah. sure. Uh, so it's just like it was a very fun like having experiences before. This is great. Like it probably made the meal that much better because we could pet dogs the entire time. It was so delightful. And some of my I, – I won't take you through every course. But I will tell you a highlight for me was I think the second dish was a vegetable tiramisu. Oh, yeah. Which is wild. Sounds but Chef weird. Alex was like – and he said this is like a big hit. They do a twist on it every single dinner because it's that big of a hit. Yeah. But picture the texture and layers of a tiramisu dessert, 
but with savory ingredients. Yeah. And so you have layers of vegetables that are cooked to perfection. He even in- incorporated white chocolate, like yeah. a white chocolate mousse, which I know sounds so strange, but it was like the perfect sweet and savory so with like a beetroot dusting over the top. Like, you know how they dust the chocolate. Your girl's coming around to beetroot, by the way, and beets in general. I am developing a taste for beet. Yeah. I uh, It took me a long time to get here, and yeah. I still think it tastes like absolute dirt, <laughs> but I'm sort of a... But a, you kind of enjoy I'm it. I'm kind of enjoying the dirt yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. That's like becoming a workout person. It's like you hated it in the beginning, Who but now like... Who is this girl? Yeah. Uh, so to contrast that dinner that was absolutely fantastic, at the hotel, we booked a package that included two things. So we want to share a quick little aside <laughs> to both of them. Love the little hotel. It's a great little uh, beach hotel. And it came with massages and it came with a quote-unquote romantic dinner yeah they had this this promotion yeah. that was a great rate you had like two nights for, for the third one free and it came with a romantic dinner yeah and it came with massages and i was yeah. like yes please. this is great so let's quickly go through the romantic dinner um there's only one restaurant in the hotel so it's where you eat breakfast it's where you can eat lunch and it's where you eat dinner and it's a very casual restaurant i thought there was like a different area no, 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 there is not. one restaurant the best part is that the restaurant overlooks the indoor pool right which then overlooks like a sitting area outside which then you can almost kind of see the water so i i was already thinking about this i'm like where is the romantic table gonna be and i told you i was like i bet it's the one up against the glass it looks right at the pool and by the way this is not like an extravagant pool you're like wow this is amazing to look at no it's just like a steamy room with water on the ground like that's all it is and so and it kind of smells like chlorine and it kind of smells like chlorine so sure enough where was our table right there at the window by the pool uh, so we sit down we're like okay yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. um then it was just like 15 minutes of radio silence. Like no one came up to us. <laughs> they forgot about us. And I, I, I was thinking while we were sitting there, like we were just laughing because we were like, this is just hilarious. And contrasting it to the night before, which was an incredible meal. I'm like, is this part of it? Like, it's just like 15 minutes for us to connect, you know, before we just Make like get out. Food or I know. And then it was apparently a fixed menu of some sort where we only could choose like a couple different options. So we have taken the 15 minutes of radio silence <laughs> to debate everything on the menu. Because really, we have the menus in front of we us. Have the, they did give us yeah. the menus. We still have not get, yet gotten beverages or yeah, anything. Yeah. So we're like, let's just, let's just decide like, what do we really want? So we're yeah. talking about every, we finally get our like order together. Yeah. We're we like, really we, we're going to be ready. Yeah. And the guy shuffles back and is like, oh, and he prints out. First of all, definitely not like a forward-facing document. Shouldn't that have been a patron It's like our view, entire yeah. like itinerary, itinerary yeah. readout of like who these people are, yeah. what they booked, like yeah. what it comes with, what yeah. it doesn't come with. I'm like, you definitely shouldn't be showing this to <laughs> uh, guests, but that's okay. And then he's like, and here are the options. It was, they never told us that it was, you can only choose certain yeah. options on the yeah. menu. <laughs> Yeah. So this whole time we've been debating what we're getting and then we're like none of those options were on the menu. And then then he leaves. Yeah, he just leaves. And then you and I are both like, well, now we really want these things that we yeah. decided. So he comes back and I was like, hey, hey, uh, we're just not going to do this and it's OK. We'll pay for it. But yeah, like we'll just pay for dinner. we That's just fine. really want these items on the menu. And then he was like, OK. And then he like <laughs> looks so, you know, and I get it right because he wasn't anticipating that. Or right. whatever, but he's like looks so flabbergasted, and then he's like, okay, and then he doesn't take our order. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he goes away. He takes our drink order. Yes. He goes away. I'm like, oh no! It's like- about 45 minutes until a morsel of food hits the table, <laughs> and we're just laughing because some of you may have heard this about European meals. Like it can take a long time. We have yet to have an experience, and we have eaten out a lot where you don't get food for 45 minutes. It has not happened yet. Right. This was just like the perfect storm of hilarious things. And that's why I feel like we're sharing it because sometimes you book a romantic dinner yeah. and no part of it is romantic <laughs> whatsoever, but you just have to like laugh it off. I right? will tell you that uh, a, a nice like cocktail with a waff of chlorine hitting your nose 
It's a good combo. I also you know? won't even get into like my drink order was wrong. Yeah, and then I was going to just be a, okay with it. But then you end up getting a dusty and drink. Then, but then Jason was like, no, you're. And so he stops the waitress. Then she brings the correct one. In a very one. nice way. Just so of everyone course, knows. Of I'm course. not like, excuse me, Garcon. No. Uh, but anyway, it was just a comedy of errors. Yeah. The whole entire thing was a comedy of errors. I will say food was delicious. Yeah. When we finally got it. Uh, the food was great. And the portions were absolutely enormous. We had a whole meal that we took home for both of us. Uh, the, the second part of our pack included massages now you got a very normal massage the only weird thing was you didn't flip over which you yeah that was like it's fine but like they squeezed your muscles and they worked on your body like a normal massage like a normal one. massage my massage and i know the mic's gonna be able to pick this up a lot of this that is me slapping my head because i got slapped i got like hands rubbed together to make a fire on my hairy legs which doesn't feel great um uh there were just a couple different snaps like, give the snaps oh yeah there was like a in, your in my ear. ears like she wasn't touching me she was just making sound in my i had like a whole like sensory experience none of it was getting my muscles rubbed or moved in any way whatsoever one of my favorites was she like she lifted up one of my legs and like spread it apart which is, is we kept our shorts on because they told us to but if i wouldn't that would have been very interesting and then she was just poking the inside of my leg which is a very tickly place for anybody even somebody who's not ticklish and then you, I, so at that point I'm like, first of all, none of this is relaxing. And then we're, it's like five minutes up. Like you can tell, like uh, I have flipped over. She's like finishing up. She's like, you know, slapping my head. I'm like, okay, we're almost done. Then I get like a five minute guided meditation. And I just like, my feet are in the sand. I'm releasing the feelings of my body. And she, and then she's like, barely, she's not touching my face, but I can like feel her hands <laughs> are like moving around my face. That. And I just as I'm dying laughing because you I'm like- You forgot to tell them about the chin tickles. Oh, I got chin tickles as well. <laughs> At one point, she just like, literally like imagine going up to a child and reaching under their chin and be like, do, 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 with your fingers. She did that to me during a massage. <laughs> Uh, so it makes me laugh so hard it, uh, because I'm next door to you having a yeah. completely different yeah. experience. I walk out You're and having I'm, a massage. I almost yeah. fell asleep, yeah. which I don't normally in massage, but I was tired. And so I walk out and I'm like so relaxed. And I just see this like look on Jason's <laughs> face. Like he's just been through something. Yeah. The, uh, the tickles, the wiggles, the, the pokes, the slaps, the non-touching, touching. Anyway, that was an adventure. So that was our staycation. Uh, it was we very a, enjoyable. We are excited we to go time. back. Uh, we definitely want to go back to that restaurant. They're going to... I will say, I loved Irisaida. And it was a really cool... I think it's a really cool um, little town. And like just lots of cool shops and coffee. and It's definitely more tourist exactly driven like it feels like a beach town and what i was gonna say is it's just such confirmation though that i'm so happy with where we live yeah because to be in this calm and peacefulness and sort of out of the touristy places for 90 percent of the time and then to be able to just go there for fun trips and everything i don't know it just i think this entire year has is a good exercise in testing out different places so that we can then go nope still like our place still like our place um, I have one major what? thing to touch on before we get into the episode Please. that's extremely important. The day that this episode comes out uh-huh. is the day before the rest of this year is quite over for me. Right. So no more podcasting because... I will not be here. Uh, I will be leaving Wandering Aimfully and Tea Tree, uh, our businesses. <laughs> to go full-time as a... I will be living on the couch. Uh-huh. Uh, I will have my controller in hand yes. because Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, That's T-O-T-K, right. as That's we all right. know, Tatka, 
uh, comes out the day after this episode goes live. Wow. So it's been really great knowing everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we like to say around our house, Tenho Mundi. Tenho Mundi. Which is just the nice way to say, like, have, have a good day. Have a good day. Uh, in Portuguese. Uh, so that's it for me. So this is, I hope you all have enjoyed me being here. I will I not be here have. any further for the rest of this year. You are indisposed. Indisposed? I'm disposed uh, for this from this podcast until 2024. So Babe, I'm goodbye. so excited for you. I'm very excited as well. Uh, okay, those are our preamble notes. And now it's time. Also, by the way, if you're a Totka fan, you're super excited, you can send us an email. Let us know what you're most excited mm-hmm. about. Maybe it's the, uh, the, the weapons building that you're excited mm-hmm. about. Maybe it's the Ascend. Uh, feature just going up through mountains i don't know if you're interested in like kind of like runes and like the different things that are going on you could just let me know on any of those things would be curious uh, to find out okay let's talk about these 10 money decisions starting with number one we're going to dive right in with a kind of a fun one I w- excuse you oh, what i would like to do an intro there's no intro written list in our notes just know my body when have i ever in the history of jumped right ever in. been like and starting with number one you know i have to do a diatribe okay, okay. This episode, we are going to share with you 10 good money decisions for us that yeah. we feel like yeah. have contributed to the financial position that we now find ourselves in. Yeah. And this episode was precipitated from us watching the new Netflix series. This is not any type of ad or promotion yeah. or anything, but we were just interested in it. Uh, what is it called? How to Get Rich. How to Get Rich or something? It's Ramit Sethi's yeah. uh, show on Netflix. And we have... How to Be Rich? Uh, How to be some, rich. Something with getting rich. Yeah. That's the whole, whole shtick, right? Is yeah. like they lure you in with this whole like how to get rich. And then they're like, hey, and but also, actually rich if, doesn't mean money. If you know Ramit's stuff, you know that it's not about that. Exactly. And, and so like we have definitely like consumed some of his content over the years. Yeah. And I've always really, I've appreciated that he does try to, it's really just about good money habits and yeah. about defining what you want to spend your money on. Um, and in my opinion, I think he does a really good job of draw, of like walking that line between like, yeah, he's a he's a very skilled marketer, but I think his educational content is quality, and I think he doesn't try to like hit it too far home. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like just trying to do all the sleazy tactics. Um, so anyway, but I I haven't consumed his content in a very long time, but I did watch one of his podcast episodes like a few few weeks ago. It was recommended to me on YouTube, and the thing I really like about his podcast is like he brings these people on. And they're extremely vulnerable about their finances. Mm-hmm. And he, I think, is a really good listener. And I think he helps them, like, walk through some of the decisions they're making. Like, how to just, it's almost like couples therapy through money. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. And so it turns out that's a lot of what the series is. And we watched it in, like, we, were, we are almost finished with the entire thing. We watched it in, like, two nights. Yeah. But it opened up all these, like, conversations that we haven't had in so long about money. And we don't mm-hmm. talk about money in a very direct way on this podcast. Like we talk about business, right. we talk about marketing. Money is obviously a part of that. And we, yeah. but if you've been listening for any amount of time, you know, we're not all about the money. Yeah. That's not what our focus is. However, I was watching the show and I was going, man, I think I really do take for granted sometimes how many of these decisions and conversations we had early on that we are only where we are today in this financial position where we don't worry about money in the way that we were so used to. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And and just to be clear for context, like we, it's not like we're at a place where we don't have to make money moving forward. Like right. we, we didn't sell a business it's not like, and yeah, we made just a whole bunch don't of money. Have like, to work. About. Yeah. like we still have to work to bring money in. We just are now at a place where it's very predictable. We now are very profitable. Like, and I don't, didn't... I don't worry about money the, in the same way. Yeah. Five years ago, we were about money. That I used money. to, and yeah. certainly not in the way I grew up, which was yeah. very 
like in a lot of ways financially insecure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, I think just to add further context to it, I mean, I think it might be interesting just for everyone to know, like we both grew up in lower income households, but not to say that like in the grand context of things, it wasn't right. You poor. kind of know. And like you, you like, I would, if you would have asked me like probably even maybe five years ago, I would have said we were in like lower like upper upper lower class like yeah, yeah. is what i would say but yeah. now knowing the full context i'm like oh okay we were middle class but yeah. we just but it always money was always a but it's point. like in your group of friends yes like and it's like in the context of society middle class for sure in yeah. the group of friends that we both kind of grew up in throughout time like it felt like kind of like upper lower class if you will yeah like and that's not a criticism of our parents no. or anything like that it's just kind of like gives context yeah but um, i i mean like yeah, never like not having food, but also being like, oh, you can't go on this field trip because it's a hundred dollars and we don't have money to pay for it. Or yeah. like you can, you can only buy a yearbook two years out of the four years of high school because that's, they're too expensive. Yeah, I and I think we can all agree they me, are too expensive. I can't believe my mom let me buy a <laughs> high school class ring. I did not need no, that. Nor we, did I, there was, was no realm of possibility. I was getting class ring and also like pressure. paying for college by myself. Like my parents didn't put a dime towards college. I mean, they did pay towards, um, I will say they did break futures, which I think gives you like yeah, in Florida, which is like a Florida scholarship um, thing. So I guess that's not entirely true, but I still had to take out student loans and pay for it myself and all of that. So that gives context. Yeah. So for me, I was just going to say my context was grew up that way until like late teens. And then like my family had, had more money switch, then. Right? And so it was like a fully, and like, it wasn't like we were extravagantly rich and like the, all that, but like we did have plenty of money. And so I didn't have to think about it necessarily. Which must've been a weird It was an extremely shift. weird shift for sure. And it also, it's like all these things that I've come to learn as an adult, like I couldn't get shoes as a kid that I wanted. And right. so like in college, I had this habit of like, I worked a job and like all the money I made, I bought, I paid for shoes. Like that was right. it. Like I just like, I had 70 pairs of shoes as a college student and like you, you don't need that many no, shoes. But you were like, which is what I think is so cool about the show. And again, not an ad, but I just yeah. think this stuff is interesting is you see people kind of playing out those patterns of like, I didn't have, and now I have. And so I want to buy these things because my brain is still telling me yeah. that like, I never had these things. Yeah. And so just to finish our, our context uh, stories. So I started my entrepreneurial journey after working for two and a half years in a nine to five job basically made a good amount of money the first couple of years. And by good, I mean like a hundred thousand dollars. Like it wasn't like crazy money, but it's, that's very good money. Very good money. And, uh, you started working out of jobs that made like $30,000 a year. Yep. And then from there, we piled up a bunch of debt, $124,000 in debt. Thank you to those previous uh, businesses that I created that didn't pan out. <laughs> um, and then we kind of like scrapped around for a couple of years, it just kind of did everything we could then we'll get into some of the things that we learned that helped kind of shift that whole trajectory. And then I would say 2015 and beyond was where like our money kind of turned back to the positive side. Mm -hmm. Then we got into building WAME and it was at that time when like we really didn't have any predictable income at all. At all. And then we spent three years building that up to get to the place that we are now where we have very predictable, comfortable income that's very profitable. So like that's just, I just want to give like that's a full the macro journey, journey of our context. Yeah, I think that is helpful for people who don't know our story. And we'll get into like the micro of each kind yeah. of step along the way. But again, just to lay out the conversation, I thought it'd be cool to go through 10 different, I guess, I guess you could call them decisions, but just for us personally. Would you call them tips? I would not call them tips because, <laughs> and here's why I don't want to call them tips. Yeah, no, I get it. Because just... I think financial advice is so hard to give to people because yeah. everyone is working with such different circumstances that it's almost like. Yeah. I mean, the interesting thing, if you just heard me tell our macro story is like, 
you probably fall somewhere on that spectrum. Exactly. Right. So it's like, you might be at the journey we were at like 15 years ago. You might be at the journey we were at five years ago. You know, it's like, it's hard to know where anybody is. So I totally hear you on that. And I was just, and that's why I think the most helpful thing you can do is just have transparent conversations where people can pick things up and go, Oh, maybe I should think about that as different way. Or maybe that, that, you know, this is something I want to spend money on. And this is something I I don't need to spend money on or whatever. Because we've even listened to those podcast episodes of people who are way, way more well off than us. And they're like, you spend $50,000 a month on that. And it's just like, that would not be for us, you know, but it's like, fine, that's fine for you. It's just, we can take that information and be like, we're not going to work on that. Totally. Uh, So let's let's get, let's get into it now. Let's get it. Now we've done the preamble, preamble, preamble. So number one, combining our finances, money decision. Number one, this is a hot topic. Listen, I also want to say, I'm not saying that the right answer is to combine your finances. I think everybody has their own way of doing this. I'm just saying for us, I think one of the most critical first steps was probably within like after one year of dating. Yeah. We combined our finances. Do you think that's a bad <laughs> idea? <laughs> I don't I don't think so. I mean, this is something where I give my mom a lot of credit in the way that she brought me up, like helping her balance our checkbook, mm-hmm. helping uh, just understand some things because there weren't a lot of people around us that were talking about money. So it was like a very kind of open book conversation in in a lot of ways. Um, And I think that was really helpful for me. So I think when we started dating and even in previous relationships to that, like keeping your money siloed and apart. And listen, I understand why this is a thing. And there's a lot of stuff that goes along with that. And there's a lot of things that people are brought along with their childhood that like keeps the money separate and you know, what have you. But I just thought for myself, like if I'm going to like have a full-time partner, like I want to get in as quickly as possible to understand our money situation. A quarter time partner, a third time partner. (laughs) No, I was just, I'm trying to to like go way back to the beginning because I think the reason we did keep it separate is obviously you don't want to just be combining your finances with every person you're casually dating. Of course. But you and I, we never had a casually dating phase. Like we went from zero to 60 so quickly. Yeah. We just were like, oh no, this is it. Right. We had like that, we had those couple of months of like figuring it out. And then once we got past that, we were just like, no, this is it. So by the time that I moved back, from North Carolina. We were doing long distance for like six months. I moved back to Florida. I moved in with you, which was kind of like supposed to be a temporary thing, but then just very quickly. we'd been dating for six months at that time? Exactly. Yeah. And then by that Christmas, which... No, that, yeah, that was six months. That was when I moved back. Yeah. Um, yeah. By the time that I had been living with you for a month, it just became clear that we were all in. And I think probably a few months after that is where we started having the conversation because the context here is <laughs> I took a pay cut to move back to Jacksonville. Yeah. Um, so like, I think my first starting salary was maybe like $35,000 a year. And I took a pay cut to like $32,000 a year, but I, it was to be closer to you. And it was to like, I was unhappy in this role as a media planner. But I was making so much less money than you. Right. Because you were, so I was like 22 at the time. You're 27. You've got so many more years under your belt. You you own a house. Like, and so we, I just remember like we would go out to dinner and anyone Well, this listening, was also at the peak of I Wear Your Shirt times. Peak of I Wear Your Shirt. So, so you had yeah. plenty of money. Yeah. And also anyone who knows Jason from this podcast knows that like, if we're going out to dinner, like he's going to order, he's going to order an Double appetizer. Apps, he's going to order a dessert. Double desserts, and baby. I'm coming from, first of all, <laughs> I'm not that far away from my childhood at that point where like, you do not order appetizers. You yeah. do not order dessert at a restaurant. It is just off the table. Like maybe a special occasion, but like there's, we don't have money for appetizers. Are you kidding me? Much less eating out very often. And so we would go to these things and then we would go to split the bill. And I'd be like, Hey, if we're splitting this bill, <laughs> it's a no app kind of night, you know? And I think you probably felt very like, 
restricted. I'm by like, that. I'm not about to not have one app, let alone two apps. And so I think, I think this the com- combining of finances did come from this place that we were so almost like unequal in our finances, right? But we were trying to be equal in our partnership, and so it was this decision of like, okay, let's let's just be real about this. At that point, I was never like paying you rent or anything. I know some right. people do that. And so it was like, okay, we're both kind of splitting the just living together. Yeah. So let's just commingle. Yeah. And it was an easy decision for us. And maybe it's because we were so all in in the relationship. And I know that's not the case for everyone. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that one of the things when we watch shows like Ramit's show or any finance shows and you see a couple and they've been together for years. And even if they're like married and they still have separate finances, it's just such a point for us to be like, I don't know how they do that. Like it would be such a point of friction for us. And I'm not saying it's bad for you to do that. And if you're listening to this and you have separate bank accounts from your partner, that's totally fine. I just think it would be a challenge not to get into a scorekeeping mindset. Uh, And it's like, it's the whole resentment thing, right? It's like, Oh, well you bought this and you bought this and like, yeah, you have your own money, quote unquote, but like, we have a we have a home together. But like, see, now I could see how it'd be the opposite. Where if your stuff is shared, that's where it can get resentful because it's now your shared pool. So it's like, but you bought that, but you bought yeah, that. but that's where you agree to your budget things, which we'll get to uh, in an upcoming point. That like you create a level playing field for everyone to be like, okay, we agree that this is the money we're going to spend. Well, that's why I wanted to. That's really why I wanted to share this one point because I think this was the beginning of our journey. Yeah. By combining our finances, it forced us to communicate about money so early on. Yeah. And to be like, okay, why are we doing this? And what do we want to pay for? And and again, I know people who have been burned in relationships where they did commingle finances and then the relationship ended. And that was a really painful part of the process was like trying to unmingle. Um, and so I knew maybe there was some risk there, but for us, I just felt like the, there was so much more to gain than, and I was secure enough in our relationship that I was just like, okay, like if one day we split up, like we'll figure it out. Did you ever feel since I was making so much less than you, did you ever feel when we combined finances that like there wasn't much in it for you? Like, did you feel like I was? No, I I think this is where like my uh, very focused brain is like, I'm already living my life where I have a house and I pay for meals Mm -hmm. and like I do these things and like bringing in another person doesn't, take away from that at all Mm. like sure maybe it ups the bill at like dinner but like it doesn't change my mortgage it Mm -hmm. doesn't change my like main expenses of of life right so because you were already operating in a financial way where you were at you were not living beyond your means right it didn't feel stressful because you just were like oh well i'm just adding yeah if anything like it's just my chili's bill is like twenty dollars (laughs) higher you never took me to chili's okay that's not true we definitely went to chili's because we got presidente margaritas no doubt 100 percent. yeah back in our early days are you kidding me i would have loved those crispers (laughs) chicken crispers uh yeah no i i didn't i don't think i ever thought about it and if anything like it was always a weird like thought to me to be like charging you rent like and i understand why people do it yeah but for my own personal thing it's never felt right like if we were going into a new place together i could be like okay this might make sense for us to split this in some capacity but like again i already had a mortgage i already like had a place that i was living in like it didn't make any sense for me to like charge you money to do that and again like i understand why people do that but it just for me just my brain didn't make sense and probably i'm sure because we had so many conversations there was probably a little bit of understanding too that like i did take a pay cut to come back to Florida for us to live together too. So it was a little bit like of understanding on your part of like, I understand you're making, even though it wasn't that much less, but like you're still now making less money yeah, and you're doing it for kind of our relationship and to have that be healthy. Yeah. Um, I just also like, to me, 
I like things to be easy. So like even when totally. we go out to a meal and this is the case. And I'm even, the same way. Even when the, this was the case, even when I didn't have money, yeah. we go to a meal with friends. I would rather just pay the bill. I know you Than would. do the like song and dance, dance of like splitting and like who had this and they're like, I just don't want to do I know. it. I would rather just end the meal and we're like, that was fun. Oh, the meal's paid for. How'd that happen? And then like, I can figure out how to pay off my credit card later. And this is where I do think that this is lucky that we're both like this because I'm the same way, right? Yeah. We're both like very practical in that sense where I'm just like, isn't this just easier? And that maybe that's actually a, even a bigger way of why we combine finances. We were like, isn't this just easier? We don't yeah. have to like do the thing and Venmo and whatever. Um, but that actually parlays into the next decision Let's that, do it, that I two. feel like was a good fi- money decision for us, which was, okay, so then we find ourselves. So things were going great with I Reassured. I bought too many Chili's dinners. Way too many Chili's dinners. Um, and then we find ourselves in a position where the business is now going downhill yeah revenue wise like yeah. the you can see the writing is on the wall too many expenses not enough for revenue too many expenses in. not enough for revenue. very um like unbalanced cash flow i think was a big problem in that business as yeah. well and so then we're now at the place where now our our finances are commingled and i'm not riding so high anymore <laughs> i'm not really enjoying this because now i'm kidding because i by that point i very much did see it like all of our money as the same money. Yeah. And by that point, I'm working for the business. So really our fates were tied together at that yeah. point. And this is like two years later. And so. that's two years later. And then, you know, we'll spare you the details of like, we get in this position where you try to hang on to the business as long as possible because there's people's salaries and you're, tr- you know, basically you were paying I mean, for tried, people on your credit card. And I tried everything. Like I maxed out six credit cards. I borrowed some money from family uh, we actually took like a micro loan from like an investor in town. Yep. That was a whole rigmarole. Uh, and just like literally everything I possibly could until it got to a place where I was like, well, I have basically accrued $95,000 in debt to keep this business afloat. It is time to give up. Yeah. And I give you a lot of credit because you did try everything, but even you had this buffer where you said, this is no longer, like this is now getting into a territory where this is a bad, bad decision. Yeah. Like I'm getting myself into a hole that I might not be able to climb out of. And as hard as it was, and I saw how hard it was for you to let people go and like the anger that that creates and like, you know, people misunderstand your intentions or whatever. And like, no one will ever know how difficult that was for you, except for me, because I was there. But that's, that's what happens when you run a business with people is you have to own it and you have to stay accountable and it doesn't matter how people feel. Right. Um, but then we have all this debt. Yeah. And so this this is point number two, we're getting to it. (laughs) And so I think point number two, which was the best thing we ever did was instead of letting that debt crush us or instead of, allowing that debt to make you feel ashamed. And so then we just pretend it doesn't exist. We came up with a plan together and we said, we are going to not let this suffocate us. And I think it was also like, okay, precipitated by maybe a little bit of like, you wanted to pay your family back. Cause you yeah. know, just that, that sense well, of it's also that. And it's anybody it's who different knows than this. the bank, right? You take yeah. like, and it's not like you took a subs like, crazy a hundred thousand dollars from your family or whatever right it was mostly the bank but still i think that was an important part of it is like if people believe in you and they help you out you also want to you have more of a reason to like really pay it back i think anybody who has accrued a substantial amount of debt and i'll say maybe like more than thirty thousand dollars but also maybe three thousand dollars is a lot to some people because some people just really are allergic to debt which i think is a good thing 
But it got to a place for me where it's just the pressure of all of it was too much. Yeah. I was just like, I, I can't take on one more thing. Like I'm at like $95,000 in total debt here. This is it. And that didn't include your student loans. Yep. And it didn't include our car loan. So like, that's why we always say $124,000 because with your student loans, that was that amount. We didn't even include the car in that like total debt number because it kind of like didn't, or the house. But yeah, I think when we came up with this debt payoff plan, it was a real turning point because I remember we had so many uncomfortable conversations about it, confronting it. Like I never wanted to log into any of these accounts. Oh my God, me either. It was just like set the minimum like auto payments and like don't look. Like it'll eventually maybe someone will come along and just pay all these and off. Just and just a quick, a quick like aside about that because I do remember being in this time in my life where the anxiety that you would have logging into your bank account because I'm going to see another overdraft fee or I'm going to see, you know, a number that I don't want to see. And a big turning point for me about just be like ignoring it won't make it go away was, I think I've told this story too before, but I'll just share it again of, I go down to Palm Beach to visit a friend for her birthday and I don't look at my bank account and I wake up in the morning and we're supposed to go to brunch and I get a notification that I have an overdraft fee because I have zero dollars in my bank account and I have to ask my friend to pay for my brunch at her birthday brunch yeah and the amount of shame that I felt in that moment was just like so awful and I was just like I'm not gonna let this happen to me ever again and so I knew that the only way to never allow that to happen was I have to work up the courage to check in on my balance more regularly because the only way that happens is if I just don't look at it. Right. And yeah. then I find myself in the worst possible moment with the worst possible balance. Um, and so that, that could be honestly its own money decision in itself was to just like start looking at the numbers actually. Yeah. What I was going to say is, so if you want to, I think we have a full podcast episode on it, but we definitely have a full article at wanderingamefully.com slash debt that basically outlines our entire debt payoff plan that we came up with and walks you through every step of the process that we use. And I think that the most important step in that, and I, I believe if I remember correct, like the number one step was we saw it as a game yeah. because debt comes with all of this negativity Negative. mm -hmm. like it just feels so terrible to be in debt and i'm sorry for anybody who that might be triggering to if you have debt right now because we remember what that feels like i specifically remember losing sleep and just of like course. feeling terrible about myself and this there was this switch when we were like no this is like the original donkey kong game yeah like we are mario the, we have all these people that we owe money to who are throwing barrels at us and they're like they're trying to kill us and we're not going to have it we're going to jump over these barrels we're going to climb up the ladders we're going to grab the hammers we're going to crush this thing and as silly as it sounds making a game out of this in our minds of being like this is not the end of the world to carry this debt yep let's figure out a plan to work through it and like this is going to take years and it's just like Ramit talks about in, in this show, which I think is why we got so excited to record a podcast because we only talk about money like every couple of years in this yeah. podcast and in our articles, is that it is just so important to change your mindset on it and to not let it weigh you down to then do nothing. Exactly. Because that is the worst thing that you can do when you're in that position because I was specifically in that position myself. I didn't want to do anything. Yeah. I wanted to curl up in a ball. I wanted to just be ashamed of the bad decisions that I made and then just like hope that something would swoop in and save me. And there was nothing to save me. What saved us was changing our mindset about it. Anything that you can do to get yourself in a mindset where you're willing to confront it is, is absolutely positive. the thing that yeah. you should focus on. So whether that's treating it like a game 
whether that is visualizing your like, as Ramit talks about in the show, your rich life every day and saying, yep. this is what I'm going to be able to do finally when I get out of debt. Like whatever it takes for you to get to that place where you're excited to then go look at your numbers because you want to get that much closer to your goal. That is what you should invest your energy in doing step one because the mindset is like honestly the biggest thing. All right, let's get to number three because it curtails nicely. So one of the things in that debt payoff plan that we started doing was weekly financial meetings. Yep. Believe it or not, we weren't meeting about finances at all. Uh, yeah, I like even, I would say we were talking about it, but we had no idea. When we were at Chili's, we were like, <laughs> are we going to be able to afford this yeah. or do we have to pay a credit card? We had off? no idea we like, we what no idea. we were spending our money on yeah. or we had no idea of what our shared financial like goals were or yep. anything. But because we both came together and said we have the only way we're going to be able to tackle this debt is by working together. And the best way to do that is to have weekly meetings about this and to come up with a budget and to look at our expenses. And eight years later, yeah. we still have a weekly budget meeting. I can tell you, I can, I can feel it in my bones, the uncomfortability of the first meetings. Oh my gosh. I hated acknowledging the debt. I hated seeing the negative numbers. I hated basically feeling like there was no way out of this. I hated the overwhelm. Yeah. I felt jammed. My brain literally felt jammed when I would look at our bank accounts because I would be like, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. It, it's basically like someone dumping a, a huge pile of dog crap in front of you, <laughs> like way too big of a pile. And then being like, figure out how to deal with this. And you're like, no, I don't want to deal with this. But you know how you start dealing with it is every single week you come back to that pile of dog shit and you start like, oh, let me grab a shovel and let me just start moving it somewhere else. Let me start doing some stuff with it. Let me like see if I can sell some of this dog to someone who like wants it's, dog shit. It's taking a turn. Is it? Yeah. Okay. But anyway, it was it was horrible in the beginning. And I will say that I think that's why a lot of people don't want to do oh, of course. budget meetings and don't want to do financial meetings, especially with their partner. Because and you're busy, like, yeah. right? Like life, life is happening around you. You have so many things and you're like, how am I supposed to make time for this? thing that makes me feel bad like yeah. that makes no sense but the truth is making time for that thing first of all it gets less awful the more you do it absolutely so after probably about the first two months where we were then in the rhythm of doing it every week it felt so much less jarring because you're desensitized to it the money uh there was not more money there was the not way. more money it was still a lot but i was just like i was numbers. like oh here's the, the number still there yeah yeah <laughs> and it just didn't hurt it didn't sting as bad because it was like we were getting used to it and so I think that is why, that's why I also believe wholeheartedly in weekly. Now, when life, there have been times where once we finally did get out of debt, like last year, for example, while we we're traveling, we would do monthly because it was just, right. you know, like life gets in the way and everything. But, but I th yeah, I think you get to that place where you have figured out a system, you figured out processes. And again, our, our debt payoff article has a lot of those things in it that can help you kind of structure some of that stuff. But I do think that you, you wrote down here, which I think is a good point, is you can't control what you can't see. You can't control what you can't see. And it just is, it's such an important point that for those of you listeners who are in debt, and unfortunately the statistics just say that that's a good amount of you because again, we were there as well. You probably don't know how much your total debt is. And when you don't know how much it is, you don't know how much you need to work on it. You don't know how much you need to put you, toward it every you month. You probably don't even know how much money is going towards your interest payments. This is what was the most disheartening thing to me and where I knew that we really had to like do something drastic, which yeah. is what we did with like freezing our cards and all of that, yep. was the interest payments started becoming so expensive yeah. that it was just this snowball that was headed in the wrong direction. Yeah. 
And we, I was like, we have to do something drastic. And that was when we froze our cards and just said like, we're going to live way below our means for a while. Again, if you want that full debt payoff plan, I'll put a link in the show notes and it'll go through like freezing the cards, calling credit card companies for hardship cases. You even heard uh, Ramit talk about this in the show, which I thought was fun because not a lot of people actually know that you can do that. And it's a very helpful thing. And I still remember that. I still remember pacing in the kitchen on the phone with the person and they didn't even do it. I think I I begged you to do one of these because I did. You like did them all. Six I did them, one, and I and still I just was like, well, I can't do it. This one tells you I still remember the one that I did because they didn't. You you were like, they're gonna you yeah. just say hardship yeah. case, and they're gonna. And I did, and she fought me on it. Yeah, and I fought her back yep. because I was like, I've done the hard work of like confronting this Getting person. Getting through the phone tree. Yeah, exactly. And so I was like, I'm not gonna just abandon the ship right now. And so I really had to like plead my case in terms of like, I know that you have this available and here and like I like was like negotiating terms yeah yeah uh and it worked yeah absolutely it does it saves thousands of dollars like in the grand scheme of things and it was like I stopped the snowball from rolling right like I at least could just stop it and it didn't change that it was still big but at least it wasn't getting bigger all right we're at number four uh we're about 50 minutes into this episode we'll see if this takes another hour uh number four on this list was it's a juicy topic so much juice. So I don't want to. But also, let's over not stuff. just do the juice. We need the fiber as well to counteract so our glucose doesn't <laughs> spike. I've been watching videos about sugar. Uh, number four here: hiring financial advisors before we had any money. Lol. This seems like, and I remember how dumb it felt when we had the meeting with financial advisors. Like, it felt embarrassing. I was like, like I why don't are have you any here? money. What can you help me with? And that's actually the point when they're the most helpful because when they can help you build a plan to get out of debt and we had already had a plan, but they gave us a bunch of more helpful structural things. And one of them was this income flow, this like account flow of like how our money should flow between like businesses having having money come in to a household account, to a savings account. Like, and again, this is in the debt payoff article, but I will say seeing that was one of the most impactful things for us because boy, did it feel willy nilly before that. And this was actually the entire catalyst for recording this episode because uh, I think there was one episode in Ramit's show where one of the couples were talking about how many accounts they had and they didn't see how they fit together. Yeah. And that's actually what did the light bulb moment where I go, oh my gosh, that's something I take for granted now because we have this this account flow. We yeah. know, okay, money comes into these accounts. Then we transfer it to this household account. Then we use it to pay off these credit cards. We yeah. use it to go to our savings. Like we have a flow every month. It's the same flow. Yep. And I and the take flow was real slow in the real beginning. Sl- <laughs> nothing was flowing. Yeah. We, we hooked up the pipes yeah. and nothing was no, coming through like the pipes. Like looked into the pipes. We're like, Hey, hello, any, hello, any, hello. Any money water want to drip out of here? <laughs> nah. Okay. Thanks. We'll be back next week. <laughs> um, but it, I, I was watching that episode and I was like, Oh my gosh, that's something we take for granted that if you don't have that set up, it's so overwhelming because you're just like yeah. this like random money is going into random accounts. And that's why it's hard to even pool it and pay it off towards your debt. Right. So that was definitely a big thing. But that the financial advisors really helped us with is just kind of understanding the flow of things. Yeah. And, and I will say just as a, a tip here. If you don't think you can afford a financial advisor, some of them do work in like a fee-based thing. And, and Ramit talks about it on the show of like, it's like 1% of whatever. Um, but he says, don't do But he says, don't do that. He says, go for the hourly rate on paying someone. You may not have the money to go the hourly rate. So 
if you just have to go the fee based just to get someone to help you, you feel completely overwhelmed. I would say go for it because there are a lot of people who are in, maybe in the position that we were in 2013, where you just feel so overwhelmed by everything that having someone who charges a fee based on stuff can actually be the thing that is the catalyst to get you out. So it's, it's a little bit of just like, you don't have the money to pay someone hourly. So you have to do something. So that can be an okay thing to do for a while. Right. And I, I would say even start by asking friends. Like I know money can sometimes be a taboo thing, but the reason we found those financial advisors was through a friend. And so understanding like, you know, I, I think, one of the really vulnerable things about working with people to help you with your money is you also are never quite sure of who is like taking advantage of you or who might be doing some shady stuff or like, I don't know, maybe that's just my own baggage I bring to it, but I'm always like, I don't want to get screwed over. Right. And so I think working with a friend, like going through a friend. So at least you have that little bit of built in trust where it's like, well, I've been working with this person and like, I think they're trustworthy and, um, that's how we felt good about it. But Um, but cool. that, that I think is a really something to look into. And I know even some banks, I think, oh, yeah, have for sure. at least a person there. you can yeah. meet with, or at least have some type of financial literacy programming. And again, a lot of these early decisions, like when you are in debt, it, it just takes a little bit of like tucking your tail between your legs and going, I'm not too big to go into my bank and say, I need to talk to a financial advisor. Like I've gotten myself to a place where I need someone whose job it is to like figure this out. I need their help because my job is to like make beautiful things on the internet. And like, I'm good at that, but I'm not good at like all the pipes and like setting up all the money stuff. So let me actually work with someone who can do that. Yeah. So moving on to number five. So again, 10 money decisions that we feel like were good moves for us. Number five was setting up automatic savings withdrawals yeah even when it felt like we couldn't afford it yeah so this was something we definitely got from the financial advisors which felt very funny at the time which was like you got to start like putting away a little bit of money here or doing different things and we're like there's no extra money they're like well you you have to make the extra money like carve off from all your other money otherwise it, it never really happens yeah and i think this was really helpful because it created this account, which we ended up nicknaming the debt crusher account, which is really just a savings account. But it was where we would basically take like carve off as much money as we could. We were still paying minimum amounts on credit cards, but we would carve off like 200 bucks here or there, 500 bucks here or there. You know, a random uh, tax refund comes in of $700 and you can like put it in this account. And then you get to a place where you're like six months into this and you have, you know, two, $3,000 built up and you go, oh, we can pay off one of our credit cards fully. Like we have one card that has 3000 bucks, let's pay it off. And so we would kind of run those games. And I think setting up the automatic savings and like actually having these things accrue without us thinking too much about them. Well, cause yeah, now I was specifically talking about, cause I think you're right. I think it was after we paid off the debt, but I was talking about specifically our life insurance account Yeah, yeah, because yeah. that is basically a glorif- but that was, that was going on while we were in debt too. Well, that's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. So that's what I specifically what I was talking about because it felt at the time like it was nothing uh, in terms of like what I was like why would we be doing this and it's it's stretching us even more financially to try to carve off this savings but I can tell you as someone who now in the blink of an eye it's eight years later and there's tens of thousands of dollars in an account that I didn't even think about you know what I mean and so I just think your future self is going to thank you for putting aside that money today. Um, and I know it's like the classic cliche advice of like 
any financial advice because of compounding interest and things like that is like you're always going to wish that you started 10 years ago doing some of this stuff but it's true yeah absolutely and and, yeah i I do think my my point here though is that we do have the automatic savings account which goes into a whole life insurance account um that basically accrues interest based on the stock market and things it's very technical i'm not going to go into it but in that you can like borrow money against anyway yeah there's in that automated savings thing like we have that as an investment account which also counts as a life insurance policy which is helpful but the other part of that what i was mentioning is this debt crusher account it's again it feels like money you don't have to move to these other accounts but you have to you have to before you're out of debt because it gets you into the habit so that when you start making more money you don't stop doing that like it's just a thing that's always been working behind the scenes for you because you're never going to get a for most of us, a windfall of money to pay off all your debt. You're Mm -hmm. just going to chip away at that big pile of dog shit with shovels and (laughs) trowels. And it's going to eventually get to the place where you have a big enough shovel to get rid of the last pile that you've now gotten rid of it all. Like that's how it works. Yeah. And like, even for example, I think it was four or five years ago now, we knew we weren't going to have kids right away, but I was like, I would like to start saving for again, as someone who had $0 from my parents to go to college. And again, that's not a shade on my parents, but like, I, it was really hard and it severely limited my like options. I'm still so glad the way it all played out, but we've talked about wanting at least to have something. I still want our kids to, you know, have a little bit of financial hardship. (laughs) I don't want them to have it so easy. We'll we'll definitely record some episodes on that in the future. And and But we started an account for them. Yeah. And And it's it's very small. So it was very small. The goal was $200 a month. Basically what we did is we reverse engineered and said, in 20 years or 18 years is actually what it is when our kids or at least our first kid like would be graduating high yeah, school only the first kid gets the money the, the second the money. kid has to just figure it out but it's basically like <laughs> what what would it how much would it cost every month to have a hundred thousand dollars waiting for them at that age in 18 years and it's 200 dollars a month with compounding interest so that's it like 200 dollars every single month for 18 years at that time, they will have an account waiting for them that they can decide what they want to do with it. And we'll obviously or help them. Or we can just take it out and just do whatever we want with it. Because now that I'm saying Maldives. it out loud, I'm like, we'll Maldives. go to the Maldives. I'm like, you know, I think it's character building for them to figure <laughs> out how to go to college. Well, no. I and, and the way that we thought about that is not like, oh, here's a hundred grand, do what you want. It's like, no, like put a PowerPoint presentation or a keynote presentation <laughs> You know, we together. love, if you listened a couple episodes yeah. ago about Jason's presentation about the new podcast setup, put a, you know, we love a presentation. Put a keynote presentation together me and tell me about how this new revolutionary AI that does AI that does AI <laughs> in 18 years is going to like help change the world and, and how also, much money out of your account you need. I want to see a couple slides on how it's not going to eradicate humanity. Thank let you so me, much. Let me know how this is going to work. <laughs> so yeah, uh, that is just something that like thinking ahead a little bit, it's not a ton of money. Uh, and I know for some people listening to this, because this was us, you know, 10 years ago now, $200 a month is not money that we had. So we didn't start it. We didn't 10 start years ago. there, but there's probably another handful of you who maybe you've paid off your debt and now you're sort of like, okay, now what? Or you're getting close and you have a predictable income of some sort that you can carve off the money to start these accounts. Yep. So that it becomes a separate thing. And now some of you might be saying like, well, couldn't I just take that money out of like my full retirement account and like the bigger pile of money can amass and create, you know, more wealth through more interest. Absolutely. If you want for us, we like things clean. So it's like, I'm actually fine to make a little bit less money with compounding interest to have a separate account that I just know this money is set away for this. And I'm totally fine with it. Also it's a diverse diversification play because that fund is total um, environmental friendly stocks. So it's not connected to like some of the bigger corporations uh, of the world. So cool. All right. right, Number six. So, uh, controversial. 
Yeah, this is this is one where you have to be very. You have to have a Caroline in your corner because if you only have a Jason in your corner, it gets out of control real quick. That's this right. This is playing the credit card points game. Yes. Because if it were up to me, I would open 137 credit cards. Yeah. I would hit every single minimum on them so that I could get every single bonus and we would have the most credit card points anybody's ever had in their life. Correct. Which is not actually how that would work out. But what we did find is that through a little bit of research, as we were paying down our debt and we were getting to this place where we said... We can see the end in sight. Let's celebrate that we did this. We, we're going to end up paying off our debt in three years, $124,000 in total debt. And then we ended up paying off our car right after that. Let's treat ourselves to a money moon is what we called yeah. it. And so this was a dream trip. And so what we didn't want to do, though, was then go into debt to go into this exactly. trip. Exactly. And as a side note, going back to what I said about whatever mindset you need to do in order to get excited about doing all this and doing the hard emotional work of working through all this financial stuff. I think a money moon is like a great kind of carrot you can dangle at the end of all this. And again, don't go into it. Don't put yourself back into debt to go on this trip, but as a part of your payoff strategy, go, you know what? At the end of this, I'm going to take myself on a really nice trip. So for us, we decided to go to a dream destination. Yeah which was Tahiti. Yeah. And what I found was, as we started talking about this and we were like, okay, how could we do this? where like, we don't have to spend $10,000 on this trip because yeah. again, that's putting us back in the debt game, which we don't want to be in. So we started looking at, at credit cards and we found the Chase Sapphire card, which is like one of the best cards you can still get for travel rewards and credit card points. If we could meet the minimums, which we were having enough expenses to meet, we would get a hundred thousand point bonus in doing that. And you can look into all this, like nerd wallet has tons of articles on this and things like that. But what we found was I, I started looking into like different re- like resorts and places that had bonuses and whatever. And what I found was there was a specific hotel in Tahiti at the time. I don't think it exists anymore with this perk. But it was basically like you would get 40% off of the nightly rate. Plus, you could apply points to the rate. So what ended up being we went for seven days mm-hmm. uh, to Tahiti. The total trip would have cost us like $7,000 just in the hotel alone. It ended up costing us $1,200. This was incredible. This was like mind blowing that we could do this. And like, I remember looking at the numbers on the thing. I'm like, wait, this is, is this, real? This real. Like, how is this thing? And it's like, I had to find the right hotel with the right discount that could also apply points. And like, now there are a lot more resources that can do this for you. So you mm-hmm. can find these pretty easily. But that was super helpful because then that planning of that money moon didn't become like, oh, like we're making a bad financial decision just right. to like celebrate that we paid off all this debt. It's like, no, we're taking advantage of these financial things that we've figured out and now we can treat ourselves and, and have a good time. And it is really, really tricky though because you have to be at the point where you know that you are living below your means so that when you're using the credit cards, you're paying them off immediately. Yeah. So I think it's it's a good thing to use the credit, A, because you build your credit score, but you have to make sure that you know that you can pay it off at the end of every month. So it was a real mindset shift for us. I remember even it was scary to open up new credit cards after we had yeah. just gone through the shift in our mind of half of our cards are in the freezer (laughs) yeah you freeze them you do not use them like debt is bad credit is bad like and we had to shift a little bit to being like okay now we're in control now we're in the driver's seat we can use some of these tools in order to like have these amazing experiences but it does take the only way we're able to do that effectively and not get ourselves back into a hole 
is because of those weekly financial meetings. We know our position. We know how we're using this. We know we can afford it. All those things. So I just want to caution everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, Make sure you're at the right place in your journey to use some of these tools. But even to this day, like, you know, it's still a hot point of contention in our household because if it was up to Jason, he would would game all the points. (laughs) Like he, and I give you a lot of credit. We got our, we flew first class when we started our, um, European trip last year. First of all, business class. Like, Sorry, business we're not, class. We're not at that level. I folks. still don't really know. We're the not difference. the Ramit level. We're at the. We're at R the level. R level. Yeah. Um, we flew business class for free. Was the trip yep. from San Francisco over to Lisbon? Um, so like that's incredible. Yeah, that's- just on literally signing up for one credit card. And I, I actually thought it would be interesting to share when we were in our worst, worst, when we were in our lowest place financially and in debt and all these credit cards. I think we had like 15 credit cards. I think I had like 13. You had two. Uh, yeah, my mom always taught me. You had a hidden Best Buy card that we stumbled upon. <laughs> we did. Um, oh, we did. It was, there's no shade. Uh, I had like 13 credit cards. No joke. So basically between us, we had like 15 total cards and we had to like stop using all of them and then focus on like one card to rule them all for me and one for you. And that was it. And so like we barely used credit cards at all until we like paid everything off. And of course, sometimes you need to use credit cards for certain things or bigger purchases or whatever. But like we really tried not to use cards at all. When we finally paid off our debt, you know, we had all these cards that had nothing, no balances on them. And so then it was really surveying like, well, what cards actually are beneficial? Because yep. a lot of these are not like a yep. Best Buy card, not beneficial. A uh, random Citibank card that I signed up for like eight years ago, yep. like not beneficial. So then it was to look at the landscape. And again, like this is where NerdWallet and all these other sites do such a good job of doing this to then look at like, okay, well, like what perks would we actually use? And that's where like the Chase cards are really good. We actually signed up for four Hilton uh mm-hmm. Amex cards, which helped us pay for uh, our trip in Greece, like our entire stay yep. for that. But again, all of these cards that we signed up for, we would meet the minimum spend and we would pay them off immediately. So it was never carrying a balance on these cards. It was just to like get to the the end of the points road, earn the points, and then just be done using yeah, the Yeah, and the thought there is like these institutions are doing their best to take advantage of yeah. plenty of people. And so it's like a little Let's bit take of, advantage of them a little fight bit. back a little you know? bit. Um, uh, I did want to say, so I, I actually checked, I think we have four debit cards, but I, uh, total cards we have now is 19. But it's funny if you think about it, like how many cards do you think we actually like quote unquote use? Yeah. Like five, but even at most, right. It's really like yeah. two. Yeah. Um, but we've, we've used them all for their perks and now they just kind of sit and like, sometimes we'll close some of them down and sometimes we'll just leave them open. Yeah. We do like an audit, like once a year, like a bigger, we're coming up on needing to do it this a summer. A bigger audit yeah. where we go, okay, what do we need to shut down and yeah. whatever. And I do think there's a lot of like credit card, you know, your like credit score and all that that comes into these decisions. And I think some of it is just like, if you've gotten out of debt and you're opening cards and closing cards or whatever, I don't think it's that big of a change or a worry. So it's more just play the game the right way and make sure you're paying off your cards. Great. All right. Number seven. Okay. Another controversial one. Oh, wow. Okay. What other one was controversial? The joint uh, uh, accounts? Yeah. Okay. Got it. So this Um, one's related. Related. So number seven is deciding not to have a wedding. Yeah. Yeah. We did that. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't entirely financial, but I will say a lot of it was. So we got, we decided to get married at the beginning. We made the decision at the beginning of 2017. We ended up getting married in March of 2017. So one benefit of not having a wedding is it only took three months to plan an yeah. elopement. It really didn't even take that long to be didn't honest. Didn't even. Yeah. Um, but 
I remember. So there. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot here yeah okay we were aligned on a lot of things as it relates to having a wedding yeah those things were number one we both we both have an instinct to reject doing things just because you think you should yeah number two we were not in a financial position we're spending thirty thousand forty thousand fifty thousand dollars on a party yeah. felt like a smart thing for us to do especially like once you get out of debt you yeah. start to realize like why would i spend thirty thousand dollars on this when i can spend that thirty thousand dollars on a lot of other things and then and i get it like this is like the most memorable day of your life well and here's that's the other thing i was yeah. going to say is for us i know a lot of people choose that because it's worth it to them because the pros outweigh the cost right sure for us the cost felt so high and the pros just weren't there because yeah. we don't like gatherings with a lot of people <laughs> I didn't want the pressure of like I just knew if I most people I think like weddings because it's like every person that you care about yeah, no, no. and your family it's all the dynamics and I was are like stressful. are you kidding me I'm not even gonna be able to focus on myself because I'm gonna be thinking about like are those uncles talking to that person yeah. and those yeah. friends where does that person sit yeah. I just HSPs you'll yeah. get this like it, that's a nightmare okay yeah. of like managing the energy of all these people and not just strangers but people you care immensely about it was just was a bad idea number three like I hate things where all the attention is on me yeah. the idea of walking down an aisle of people <laughs> looking at me and me trying to smile and like like it makes my skin actually crawl. Yeah. I hate it. And so it just like didn't appeal to me in any type of way. And I didn't want the stress. I didn't want you and I to fight about it. It's just nothing about it was appealing. So, but, and then also from the financial side, we were just getting to the place where we were, I can't remember how we, yeah, we, we had definitely paid it off, but we, Oh yeah, no, we, this was in 2017. We were profitable because we were just starting to do buy our future right which is where my buy my future project was in 2015 so which really like really finished off had all an of our inflection debt. point yeah at that so, point. We, so we were actually like this was again like in the macro sense of our income we were like back up again and so we we had but we had just gotten back up exactly. so i think we went to tahiti in late 2016 maybe no we went to tahiti in 2017 i don't think that's right okay well, we could go back and look at the receipts, but somewhere you might be there. right. I'm not yeah. confident. Fifty yeah. percent confident. The but the point is, we had just gotten to the place where we were like okay again. Yeah. And the last thing that I wanted to do was to yeah, like go not back be okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the wedding thing is, it's just it's such a personal decision for everyone to make. But I know for me, like when we started to really get serious in our relationship, like. It was always the thing that was looming for me because it was the thing that forever in my life I've always just been like, I don't want this. Like, yeah. I'm not interested in this big gathering. I've been to plenty of them. None of them seem as great as they look on the photos afterwards. And like, I get it. That's totally fine. But like, I don't want this. I want something else. I want something different. Like, I mm -hmm. want something that feels like, it's like, what's my dream? And like, this is like going back to me saying, what's your rich life? Like, my rich life version of a wedding is like standing on a cliff cheersing some tequila, having some donuts with like the person I love with zero stress. Like it was zero stress. Absolutely. Zero. And that's exactly what we did. Yeah. And, and it's so amazing to look back and, and we've talked to so many married couples who've been like, oh, I wish I would have done it your way. And again, that's not to say that like the way that we did it is like the best way to do it. I'm just saying that like 
there's so much, I think, societal pressure to, yeah. to get married and have a wedding and like do these things this way. And it's my just, ring was $200. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like th that, even those decisions alone, right? Like we picked out our wedding bands kind of like together. And like, I found this uh, guy on Etsy who made these like, yeah, half your wood. ring was from Etsy. Mine is from <laughs> yeah. a local person in San Diego. I, I will say the one thing I wish I would have spent more money on. Yeah. And I've told you this before. I, I wish that I would have actually allowed myself to spend money on a dress that I loved with all of my heart. I love that dress though. I, I know. I know you it's, don't, but no, I, no, yeah. no. I don't dislike it yeah. at all. I, I love it. I, there's a lot of things I like about it, but I didn't like love it. Yeah. And I, for someone who like, I've never really allowed myself to buy clothes that like are even a little bit expensive. Right. And I wish I would have allowed myself that one, especially because it was like, there was no other part of it. And I just, and it's not like I look back at the photos and I don't like the dress. I like the way I look. I like, it's more, more important to me, like the experience we had and there's everything I like about it. I just wish like I would have allowed myself that one indulgence of being like, if you're not going to pay for any of this, give yourself the one kind of splurge yeah. to, to, I just wanted that one moment of feeling like, man, I love this dress and I'll keep it forever. I mean, it turns out it's probably best that I didn't because we moved it's and an sold easier, our stuff yeah, and like whatever. But I just share that because there's both sides of that coin. It's like they're saving money, but there's also times in your life where you're like, man, I really wish I would have let myself on a little bit of a like uh, more freedom to spend money on something that I really cared about. Yeah. Well, that's the only decision that, uh, you know, you can make. It's no one else. Yeah. And I, and I think if we ever do some type of, I couldn't see us doing like a, I could see us doing another sort of like vowel renewal elopement type of thing. I, d I don't think we'll ever have a big party, but if I do that in the future, I could see giving myself that gift of like having a really extravagant dress, not extravagant, but just like something that feels really special and unique and one of a kind. And, um, I mean the dress I got was at like Nordstrom, I think, Yeah. <laughs> which I, that's not, nothing against Nordstrom at all. Yeah, it's yeah, just no. like, there was nothing that was like special about it. You didn't go to Marshall's. And there's nothing wrong with I could have gone to Marshall's. Yeah. All right, number eight here. We have three left. The decision to combine businesses. Yeah. Okay. So also I like this this um setup. I think I think I heard Ramit say this on a podcast as well. Of like there's three skills that you need when it comes to money. One is uh, spending money. That's a skill. One is making money. That's a skill. And one is managing money. That's yeah. a skill. And I really liked that framing because I think all of our decisions here hit on each one, but this one is about making money. Which, so decisions that we made that are in the category of making money. Yeah. Which of these do you think I'm best at? <laughs> spending. <laughs> yeah. Which are you best at? Um, making. Okay, cool. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I remember in 2017. So like this is again, like things are going pretty well. You still have made vibrant. I have Jason does stuff, but we've now, you know, I've got my buy my future project which turned into our buy our future project where we kind of created this combined thing. And we were like, that was going well for us financially. But I just kind of felt this itch that like, there's so much crossover, like this, it's going to make it easier if we just combine everything. It honestly felt kind of silly because I was also hitting this sort of cap where I was comfortable and it was enough and it was great, but it was sort of like, I could see this like ceiling of me just trying to do everything myself. Right. 
And you were seeing the fact that we were doing actually a lot of the same things, yeah. building an audience, writing, writing content, yeah. talking. And like the things that we would talk about were even overlapping where it was like, you would talk about business stuff. And then I would talk about sort of personal growth things and creativity, but then you would talk about creativity and marketing. And then I would talk about marketing. And so pretty soon it was like, we're doing the same thing. We're talking about the same thing, just in a different voice. Yeah. And then you saw the writing on the wall and we're like, I think this is one of those rare instances where one plus one equals three. We should just come together, create something that's bigger than us and use both of our voices and use both of our audiences. And I think it would, it would raise that ceiling that both of us are being limited by into something much bigger. And you were right. Yeah. I mean, if you look back at it just from like a, a top level financial perspective, 2017, you know, as a household, you know, we're probably making, am I allowed to say how much? We're probably making $300,000 total as a household, two separate businesses, a lot of juggling of all the tasks. And nowadays we're making about double that. And it didn't start that way, right? It started at $1,500 a month. That's what we were making when we like combined our businesses and started over from scratch. Yeah, exactly. So imagine going from 300 to then going to like $1,500 $1,500 a month. That's like where <laughs> yeah, it started. Exactly. And there was extra money. Like teachery still existed there and it was still, you know, what have you. But that has but definitely the point, shifted. But the most important point that I want to hit home is that we had to take a huge drop yeah. in order to then exceed the ceiling. Yeah. And I do think that those are the money decisions that you sometimes make that feel scary and they feel like there's a lot of unknowns, but you just have to trust your gut and your instincts. And you also have to know that like, okay, yes, we're starting over, but we are starting over with a lot of things at our disposal that are helpful. So like Mm -hmm. we had two email audiences we combined into one. Granted, a lot of people unsubscribed in the beginning because they just didn't want both of our, Mm -hmm. you know, voices in a newsletter. That's fine. Uh, You know, we had other products that we shut down, we stopped selling and putting Mm -hmm. attention toward that we're making money, but we didn't want to focus on those anymore. And so it takes that, that risk, that chance. And this is what entrepreneurship is to me. Like it's, it's these moments in time when you go, I've just had this hunch that this is going to be better, but I also have a long-term vision of it's not going to happen overnight. Right. And I'm going to have to take, I'm going to have to have, we call it the short-term squeeze for the long-term ease. I'm going to have to have a squeeze for a year where maybe I'm pivoting my audience or maybe even you're listening to this and you're like, I I need a career change. Like I'm going to leave this sector to even go back and go back to school so that I can then earn more. Right. Or like whatever that is, I'm going to leave this big company where I'm safe and I'm going to start my own thing and it's going to be a pay cut in the beginning. But I know that my, my potential is so much greater. Sometimes it's those decisions where, you know, you're taking a step backward, but you know that the potential is then so much bigger. And I'm just so glad that you saw that. And I'm glad that I took the risk with you. Yeah. It only took like 183 walks. Well, you should have showed me a presentation. I should have. I wasn't doing keynotes. You were not doing keynotes at that time, but that would have been been so effective. But the walks were nice though. The walks were very nice. And also I was, I was gung-ho in it but i still had my own apprehensions as well so uh all right number nine in our uh list here of money decisions uh are money multipliers yep so i think i think ramit talks about this idea of a money dial and i don't know if this is the same thing but this is just an i a name that we came up with a long time ago which is these things that if you spend money on them they actually in the long run make you more money. And so for us, that is things that give us time and convenience. So in the biggest examples that I can think of for this, and I don't know how we just knew this early on, but a big one is meals. So we have been getting prepared meals delivered in some capacity 
since 2014 2014 and i don't mean like a meal box where like the ingredients like that might be helpful for sure yeah i mean physically a meal that you just heat up fully cooked fully cooked and so and we've maybe we've talked about this before but this has worked really well for our lifestyle for a number of reasons we first of all we love we love work and we didn't like the fact that like going to the grocery store and taking the time out to like meal plan and prep and make all these meals. Like that was taking so much time and breaking up the day and, and, and it wasn't an activity that we enjoyed. Yeah. And so we were looking for solutions to that problem. And then also like we just would never do it because we didn't like it. And then we'd eat out more and then we'd spend more money and then we'd eat more crap. Yeah. And so this was an investment in our health and in our time, getting our time back so that we could actually pour it into the business, which eventually then makes you more money. Yeah. I remember doing the math on this and it was basically like eight hours per week we saved by doing prepared meals. So it's like, well, what's our time worth? And so you start to think about that. You're like, well, there's a exponential rate of return on our time. These eight hours that we're investing in making food and going to the grocery store and like thinking about food and decision fatigue and then like making bad decisions, like that's a that's a negative net return on our time. Yeah. And so for us, and it's not like this isn't extravagant. I, I know I've said the the price before, but essentially what we pay now is about one hundred and fifty dollars per week for our meals. So it ends up being six hundred dollars per month for our prepared meals, and that takes care of ninety percent of our food yep. every single week. And that that means like we go to the grocery store. Now we go to the grocery store more in Portugal because food expires much faster here. Mm -hmm. Like a cucumber lasts like two days in the fridge, which is wild. Um, So we are going to the grocery store a little bit more, but it's much smaller trips. And even before that, it was much smaller trips just to stock up on the things to cover the other meals. So I will say some of you listening to this probably spend less than $600 a month on food for your whole family by just going to the grocery store. And maybe you like cooking and maybe you like taking the time out with your family to come together to make a meal and do all that. Then by all means do it. But for those of you who might be like us where you love food, but you don't love all the hullabaloo of making food at home, lunch and dinner and breakfast and all those things, maybe think about doing prepared meals for 30% of your meals or 50% of your meals. And it will just save you time. And it may seem like, oh, I'm upping my food budget a little bit, but look at it from the perspective of what else can you be doing with that time? If nothing else, not doing anything. <laughs> so and it's just getting that time back yeah, and not for, having to worry about for it. For not even work, right? For yeah. things, For other things in your life that you want to put your energy and time into. And we've done it for how many years now? And we still regularly sit down to the table with a delicious meal that yeah. took 10 seconds to heat up and which we're usually doing in the skillet. Sometimes we do do the microwave, yeah. but like I, I like microwaves doing, aren't bad. Listen to a whole podcast episode. I know, but I love bad. doing it in the skillet because it gives me Feels, the illusion that I cooked yeah. it, which I did not. Yeah. Um, but we sit down and I go best decision we ever made. Yeah. Uh, so the meals are a really good one. Also, if you're curious how to find those, you can just, for those of you in the U.S., go on Yelp, search prepared meals. Very easy way to find them. There are tons of different services that we've tried over the years that pop up um, outside of Yelp as well. For those of you who are outside of the U.S., um, maybe search Google Maps. That's how we have found the one here in Portugal. They actually are in Lisbon. They're the only prepared meal company i found, but they deliver delicious. to where we are, and they are fantastic. They're some of the best flavors we've had the best. in nine years. Uh, the other money multiplier that I wanted to mention was laptops. Yep. So and this te- would this technological device. Yeah, this would just be computers, iPads, you know, phones. Um, I think there's a big difference between just upgrading to upgrade and upgrading knowing that that's going to make you more efficient at your time. So for right. me, as someone who um, right now it's only editing our monthly coaching session, but 
the laptop upgrade that I made from the previous version, which is what you have to the M1 Max when that came out, it literally cut my replay time for our coaching sessions in a quarter. So I went from having to spend 10 hours on that to spending two and a half hours. Now tell people why. Is it because the uploading of the footage, the rendering? It's the rendering. The it's rendering. all the rendering. So it's literally bringing all the footage and it, it does it all like 75% faster. Mm -hmm. So that in itself was just like fantastic Worth for me. It. But then it's also in everything else. Like I know some of you listening to this have an older machine of some kind and you have to like wait for things to load or it feels really slow. And it's like, I know that you might not be in the position to feel like you can afford the next device or an upgrade to it. In that case, it's like you need to squirrel away $50 a month to build up to do it because that's what we started doing. Or here's the beauty of making money. You go, how much is that going to cost? Right. Can I do like one consulting call and try to day. cover it? Can, like, I, can I like get creative and yeah, be like, okay. A flash sale of my online course. Exactly. And then all the money is going to go towards the investing in now this money multiplier yeah. that's only going to give you your time back. Like that's the type of creative thinking that I feel like going back to the very beginning of this podcast, the, the day that we decided that we were going to treat the debt crushing like a game it started to open up this whole new mindset of like, okay, now everything's a game. Now yeah. everything's a creative exercise. How can I, what do I need? Where am I trying to go? How can I make more money with the skills that I have? Yeah. How can I provide value to people in exchange for money? You start to see those opportunities everywhere. Uh, it, I just remembered while you were saying that how this whole uh, upgrading technology thing started for me. Mm -hmm. My nine to five job. Uh, I got handed a laptop when I started. I was a graphic designer. It was an IBM ThinkPad with the little red knob in the middle. And I oh, remember the little, little thingy. I remember going into my boss one week. I've been working there for one week. And I was like, I cannot work on this machine. I need you to buy me a MacBook Pro. Really? And they're like $4,000. And especially at that time, they were super expensive. And he was like, no way. I was like, I guarantee you, I can do a hundred times the amount of work that this crappy machine can do on that machine. And like, if not, like I was like, I will pay for it in my paycheck. Like I need, I, I can't work on this. Like and you'll I remember, be amazed at how much more I'm able to I remember to do. when I got it, like the amount of output that I could do and the comfortability that I felt. And I didn't even have a Mac at that point. Like I didn't have one at home. And I remember having a meeting with him like a month later and he was like, you were correct. And literally they went like all the design people around there. They ended up buying, buying Mac them for computers them. for them because I was the person that basically like ushered in like there is better technology to do than what yeah. we're doing because it would take like 10 minutes to just open Photoshop. <laughs> it's like, that's not an exaggeration. Like it was so slow on those machines. Well, that's such a good point of that's an illustrator of it is a money multiplier, right? Yeah. Like you, yes, you spend this now, but what you get out of it is so much totally. more. Like the amount of folks listening to this who might be frustrated with the device that you're currently working on to get your work done. Imagine not having that frustration and instead replacing that with joy to work on your mm -hmm. thing because you can actually get it done faster. Mm -hmm. It's going to allow you to do more things. Mm -hmm. And again, like I know it's, coming from a very privileged position of saying like, oh, well, you just go buy a new laptop, but it's about creating a plan that it, you might buy one in a year, but at least you put a plan in place right now to be able to squirrel away the money to do it or right. in a month by setting up a flash sale of a thing or whatever. Well, that actually brings us to our last point, which is related. And this is less, it's another point that is related to spending money, but not for the purpose of making more money. It's more about spending money on things that, enrich your life and it kind of ties in the whole idea of what Ramit's show is about which is creating your rich life and what does rich mean to you it doesn't mean how much money in your bank account it means a life full of the experiences that you want of the feelings that you want 
um, you know, and the, the values that you care about. And so for us, spending more money than the average, what I would say is the average person on where we live and travel yeah. are two things where like, I still remember to this day, I remember having lunch with a friend of mine when we were leaving Florida and we had just um, decided to move in with another couple and move to California. California. Yeah. And our rent on that place was certainly more money than our mortgage was in Florida. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it was more money than I had ever spent on a place. It seemed absolutely, I, I told her how much and like the, the visible look <laughs> on her face, I think she was probably paying like 600 bucks a month for, to share an apartment at the time. The look on her face was like, are you sure you know what you're doing? This doesn't seem like a good idea. And I've taken that, I just, that pick, that expression is like seared in my memory. And I still think it's probably how people would think about what we spend on housing yeah. um, and renting. But I just sort of smile to myself because there's nothing that we spend money on that is worth it to me more than the place that we live other than maybe travel. Yeah. And it's because we learned a long time ago. I think we learned originally with that, that moving from Florida to California, that for us who work from home, who spend 95% of time at home, where we live matters so much. Yeah. And actually there's studies now that show like geographically, even like where you live matters to your longevity because of the, like the choices of people who are around you, the people you're surrounding yourself with, the amount of fresh vegetables that are available to you, the restaurant options available to you. Like they've studies have shown this, you know? And so it's like, it's not just the geographical region, but it's the region and it's the, the house itself. Like we will always pay more for that because of what joy it brings to us. Yeah. We've had multiple conversations over the years of, Hey, should we just like downsize to something like super cheap for like, two years and just bank all the extra money and just like build up our savings like a ton and just like whatever. And we, we go back and forth, we go back and forth and we go, nope, nope. I'm literally not willing to give up two years of happiness to live in a place that I wouldn't love living in because I don't know if I'm going to die tomorrow. And I know that that is like a very short term way to think about life, but this is one of those areas when it comes to money that I'm like, if I died tomorrow, I'd be like, Great. I picked a wonderful home to live in in my last days. Well, and, and, yeah. and, and I'm just saying that on like the, we made that decision when we could barely afford it. And we had a plan. So we knew that we could, we afford, could afford it. it. That's like, that's a caveat, right? Exactly. It's not like you're living beyond, but it's just like, you're spending more of your percentage of take-home pay than probably the average person yeah. on housing. Yeah. And, and now we are at the place where, and again, like this is part of moving to a country like Portugal, like things are a lot more affordable here than they were in Southern California. So it's like, we get a lot more for our money here than we would there. And we're now living in a place where it's like, we can, we, we can easily afford where we live and it happens to be like an amazing place that brings us a lot of joy. So it's like, but we wouldn't have gotten here had we not gone from the leaving Florida to move to California totally. to then moving California to moving here. But this is also where I think it takes a tremendous amount of self-awareness because a different person might actually decide that it is worth it for them to live in a place that is, you know, a sacrifice for the short term. Um, because it doesn't affect them that much, but, Absolutely. but for us, it affects us so much. And then I'll also say, because we're in the position where the making money side of the equation has sort of an, an infinite upside, right? Like it's, we are that's only, just entrepreneurship. Yeah. that's entrepreneurship. Yeah. Like you're not on a salary. You're only bound by your ability to build a business. And so because that potential is there, I say to myself, like for every, let's like quantify it for every, like notch of happiness that I go down my ability to then cash in on that 
potential goes down as well. Absolutely. And so I view it almost in a very practical sense of going, okay, if I prioritize my just environmental happiness, it's also an investment in my own productivity. And not all of it has to be so cut and dry. I don't mean to make it that way, but just walk with me here and like viewing it in this very practical sense for every notch I go down in happiness because I'm, I've decided that I'm going to move into a place that's maybe like, you know, a three quarters of the price instead of the yeah, price that has we no now. windows. Yeah. Like less of a view or like, no, you, no just no windows. Oh, no windows. Okay, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, I, that is also then decreasing my potential to earn more. And so does the math actually work out? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like for me, the math works out more to go, I love, love, love where I live. I'll pay a little bit more for it because for every extra dollar I spend on like a premium house, for example, I get 10 times the amount of potential that I can make because of how much happier I am. Yeah, and I think that this is such a hard one to quantify, which is why we put it at the end, which is like, and again, we couldn't do this 10 years ago. So the reason we're sharing this now is it got to a place where we we had built the debt payoff plan, we had everything moving, we froze all the credit cards, we reorganized our businesses, we worked with financial advisors to like come up with everything and like for two years chipped away at our debt and then saw the opportunity to move to California to go, okay, we're not out of debt yet, but we have a good plan in place. We can afford to take on this higher rent and this might be the opportunity for us to like, start a new life. And really that's what it was. It like was. we, we spent money to start a new life. It changed our lives and it changed everything. And I do believe that also coming here to Portugal is another version of that. And yeah. truthfully last year traveling full time was the start of that. Totally. And, and it's a different chapter of our lives, but I think there's a very interesting trajectory in just watching our overall top line revenue throughout our lives of where it started and where it is now based on the decisions that we've made to follow some of these curiosities mm-hmm. and to push a little bit the the boundaries of spending. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like we're not talking about like $10,000 a month rent here. Like it's, no. it's, it's a reasonable amount of money. It's on the high end of reasonable, but it is an amount of money that like we can afford it. And it is providing us the value to then come up with creative ideas, love the place we live, feel joyful every day when we wake up. And, and I just want to share that because 10 years ago, us did not feel that way. Yeah. We didn't enjoy where we lived. We didn't enjoy the town that we lived in. We didn't like going to Chili's anymore. Uh, the President Day Margaritas were not doing it. They ran out of them. But it just, all of the, like the ideas weren't coming. Like all of, everything came to a standstill and we needed a fresh start. And so like using money as a lever to pull to create that fresh start was something we just saw the long-term vision for to be able to do that. Yeah. So yeah, I, I hope that these 10 things were helpful and maybe just like one you take away from or this. Or just interesting. I mean, I don't think we have enough conversations about money and I was really scared, honestly, to do this episode because even I like, it just, when you share the way that you think about money or the way that you spend money, it opens you up to judgment. It opens you up to criticism. And I just thought to myself, well, do I want to live in a world where more people are talking about money or like less? Yeah. And so- I hope that by being transparent, it like even if it's just a handful of people who go, gosh, it is possible, you know, yeah. like it is possible to change your relationship to money. It is possible. I just I felt when I was watching this show, I felt this overwhelming sense of like gratitude, but also like responsibility to go, wow, like I can't believe we don't get here in life 
Yeah, if, we are, we are living a rich life. Like if we're just yes. being honest, like and in I just those thought, times, and I just thought, I want that for everyone. Yeah. Like I want every single person to not have to worry when they go out to dinner, or not have to worry when they go buy clothes for their kids, or not have to worry. And so it's like, I just want to share some of those inflection points along the way, and some of those decisions that we made that I feel like did start to snowball in our direction to where yeah. now it is a snowball. Yeah, and I, I hope that there's one singular person of our 24 listeners to listen yeah. to this that goes to that debt payoff article because they are in debt. They do our ETAC exercise, which is our expense tracking. They start a weekly budget meeting. They build an income flow. They have a whole debt payoff plan that takes three to five to seven years. Three to five to seven years from now, that person has paid off all of their debt and they're making decisions like we're talking about And they now. go to Tahiti. And they go to Tahiti <laughs> and they move to Portugal. And oh. it's just like, Whatever that version of that is, I, I just hope there's one person that listens to this that feels like their debt was overwhelming, but now it feels like a game to be won. Yeah. And that game's going to take years to play. It's not going to, I mean, again, I, you're going to use lose me for the rest of the year to Tatka. We've talked about this. Right. Like, I'm going to be on the couch playing Tears of the Kingdom. But in the silly metaphorical game of paying off your debt, it does take years. You hear this in the show. You hear this from real people like us who have gotten out of this, but that's what it takes. And so if you can just opt into that game and just see it as a game that's going to take a while. And also as the people who are now years removed from it, I go back and go, was three years of our life worth, worth it, it? Yeah. to live the life that we live today? A million trillion times over. Yeah. And, and what did we really have to do during that time? We made some sacrifices. We didn't eat at Chili's anymore. We didn't go to the movies. I did go to Marshall's. Much. You did go to Marshall's. And I found a lot of cute stuff. Yeah. Like uh, it just like all of our spending came to a screeching halt and we lived as like strictly as we possibly could by setting budgets and sticking to them and just making short-term sacrifices to do that. But it was all worth it. It was a hundred percent worth it. Um, so yeah, that's our episode on these money decisions. We really hope you enjoyed it. And yeah. If you go- have any follow-up questions, email us because maybe, maybe we will do a money episode in the future. I don't know. Yeah. I think it would be fun to talk about just the way that we invest money because we do I, have an article on that. I don't want to talk about that. On our website. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Well, yeah, but I think we have a couple interesting ways that we think about it in regards to tea tree and okay. things like that, like Fair long-term enough. thinking. So um, that are kind of different from, you know, normal societal things, but no matter what, hope you enjoyed this episode. We appreciate you listening for this one. It was a longy. But that uh, was a goodie. A longy, but a goodie. Longy, but a goodie. Okay, Feel we'll free just leave, to leave that, that right Leave there. that in the Apple Podcast reviews, you know? <laughs> Love this podcast. It's, it's a, a longy, but, but it's, it's a goodie. goodie. All right, podcasts are cool. Dot, dot, dot. Nicely done, babe.